Three years ago today, Sandy hit our region, killing nearly 100 people and causing widespread devastation. Since then, the region has been steadily rebuilding. Over the last two weeks, I visited some places where people are trying out new and not-so-new technology that could help prevent so much damage the next time around. I started in the Bronx in a parking lot at Manhattan College, which is trying out a new type of pavement that should absorb torrential rains rather than letting the water build up and flood neighborhoods. Ken Justice, senior vice president at the Portland Cement Association, was my guide. Pervious concrete is no different than that concrete you see on sidewalks or in driveways, except that we take the sand out of the mix. Like regular concrete has large rocks, sand, and paste. This just has large rocks and paste. And because we take the sand out, we have 20% voids, holes. It gives you a texture, like you see here, it looks like a Rice Krispie treat. And it lets water go through. So you're saying that this would work in a super storm like Sandy or in a hurricane? Yes, it does. To, to absorb that much water? If you ever saw it the Hurricane Sandy down in Manilookie, New Jersey, where the, the bridge got washed away and those houses got washed yeah, out to yeah. sea, well, on the other side of that bridge, we did a park there with all this. And it survived, and you go out there today, and you wouldn't even know that Sandy was there well, because this pavement was there. Where is all the water going? It goes right into the ground. You're just saying Mother it, just, Nature. it just passes through all this? Passes right through all this? All these holes? Yes, straight into the ground. Is it not as strong? Is it not as durable? Does it not last as long? No, it, it, it uh, Can lasts. it not ha- handle as much weight? None. We can get it as strong as you need. There's two problems that uh, you need to worry about when considering this. One is you have to understand where the water table in the ground is. There are a lot of places in the city you can't use it because the water table is so high, such as flushing, you know, like around where City Field and the U.S. Open. The swamp yeah, lands. the swamplands. Uh, the other part is... And this is really unfortunate, is the wintertime de-icing. There are certain de-icing agents, and they'll say safe for concrete, but they're really not. Magnesium break down the cement bond, the glue that holds this together. And we've run into places where we put in a beautiful job, and then they come out, and especially after the past two winters, and threw the wrong de-icing agents down, and then started to break. With those caveats, we decided to give the pervious concrete a try. We poured a gallon of water on it and watched what happened. And you can see the water just goes in the ground before it even has a chance to run off the pavement. Like a sponge. So this thirsty concrete would help absorb a storm surge if it came ashore, rather than letting the water build up and flood a neighborhood. Next, I went out to Midland Beach, Staten Island, which was one of those places hard hit during Sandy by flooding. Eric Bluestone of the Bluestone Organization has a contract with the city to rebuild some of the houses destroyed there. And he's doing that with insulated concrete forms. Imagine walls made of slabs of concrete sandwiched on either side by large slices of styrofoam. In the case of the houses that we're building in Staten Island, it's a six-inch thick concrete wall with, uh, you know, a rebar that's designed by the structural engineers. And the styrofoam stays in place. So you have two and a half inches of continuous styrofoam insulation on the inside and outside, which basically provides the insulation for the home. In Sandy, some Staten Island homes were completely swept off their foundation or or just collapsed. It it seems, at least in theory, that these homes might be able to withstand that kind of force. The foundation systems here are going to be designed to the new FEMA standards. Um, The engineers have gone to great lengths to make sure that um, a combination of making sure the homes are elevated, but also to make sure that the 
foundation systems are structurally designed to deal with the issues of um, wave and erosion um, and wind. Is it more expensive? One paper published by the cement industry suggests that it costs 10 percent more than other methods. I can't speak for these houses. I know we, we are, have been using the insulated concrete form systems for our multifamily buildings now for um, almost 10 years. And our experience is that the insulated concrete forms is comparable, if not in some cases less expensive, than our traditional bearing wall systems. So in comparison to a stick-built house, perhaps, but I think in contrast to dealing with the issues of, of making sure that uh, the house is uh, you know, able to withstand you know, the potential for another storm, such as Sandy, if there were an incremental cost, it's obviously worth it here. Now, both of those technologies, pervious concrete and insulated concrete forms, have been around for years, but they really haven't caught on in New York City. Next up, the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. Marcus Quigley from Opti, a Boston-based tech company, designed a system that drains a pond ahead of a big storm so it doesn't flood its banks to push the dirty stormwater into the city's sewer system in the first place. This uh, pond, this water feature in the area that we're standing in, the, uh, the streams and other components that would be built here are part of an integrated system to control water flowing from the entirety of the, of the park. So this this 52-acre area drains down to this location. So historically, stormwater systems are passive in that they respond only to what occurs. Um, These new technologies uh, allow us to build the intelligence into the system so that they can be proactive. So tell us what the system does and what it doesn't do. There are a couple of things that you need in order to have this intelligence integrated into a piece of infrastructure like this pond. Um, First, you need a sensor that indicates the uh, current status of the facility, Um, and then you need a valve. You can only do so many things with water. One of them is you can control when and how the water is released. You take those two things and you hook them up to a cloud-based control system that then integrates the, the information from the weather forecast into the logic of this physical thing, this pond. So it's really kind of a forward-thinking project for what our urban centers might look like even outside of the gardens we have. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this isn't a uh, you know, one-off project. It's something that is applicable to the entire city. There are many other things that look uh, maybe different than a water garden or a pond that can be controlled in the same intelligent way. This technology, the same technology that's at the, the Botanic Garden, allows for storm surge information and rainfall information to be combined with site-specific information about people's individual homes and houses um, and businesses, and then both to feed information to them at a personal level, saying things like, hey, it's a great time to put sandbags at your back door because the system knows what that elevation is and what's going to happen. Um, but then also, without people in the loop, to take action to do what we call active flood proofing um, of those structures. So reducing um, the, uh, per- the likelihood of backflow, for example, into basement areas or um, stormwater discharges that would, could be associated with uh, some of these larger events. Now, I should say all three of these innovators do warn that technology alone won't save us from the next big storm. Rather, each one is a piece of the puzzle. For WNYC, I'm Jamie Floyd.